What up, people? Hello, hello, hello. Hey, hey, hey. This is Laura. And this is Ardeen. And welcome to What Happens After Dark. Yes, yes. And this is part two dead guy. But we want to talk about some fun stuff first. Ardeen, what did you do this past week? Oh, my God. It was so cool. Uh, so I'm taking a class. It's like a spiritual class no nice. we get to learn how to decorate our drum and how to use the drum oh my gosh uh to do healing and things like that so i took my first class where we did the base of the club and we got to write names and things that we want for the drum like uh not purposes but um things that we want to manifest manifest when we use the drum Ooh. and so i i put a lot of things and believe me the first thing was wad and success so, yes. that was fun. Oh my gosh! How about I can't you? Wait to see your drum. Oh, when it's finished, it's gonna be beautiful. So it's one class a month. So and then we kind of learn and meditate and do things like that. Oh my gosh! When you start another class uh, with them, you should let me know because I would love to do something like that. That would be cool. You have to do it in advance and oh. pay in advance. Okay. So we have the group already, but. I'll ask her. I'll ask her if she does other. She does other things. She okay. does sound bath and she does. Oh, I love sound bath. I love that sound bath. Yes. Meditation. So if I see it, I'll let you know. We can sign up and go together. You yeah. will love Lori. She is so nice. And then there's, uh, I think it's Shannon, the other lady that does the, and it's at night. It's like from five to eight. Do they um, do them at synchronicities in Sandy? Uh, they can do them there too, but this is at a at her house. <laughs> Millie girl, <laughs> this is at her house. It's wow. called Studio Art. That is so cool. And Soul Studio Art. Soul Studio Art is the name. Wow. Well, and shout out to Synchronicities because we do love this store. It's in Sandy, Utah, and and it's beautiful. I do recommend uh, the sand bath. Yeah, going downstairs and doing that. It's Himalayan salt, it's, and you just lay in there. Is it like forty five minutes? It's yeah. like twenty five dollars for forty five minutes, and I came out of that just feeling like brand amazing. new, amazing, brand new. Yeah, it's it's. We got to do that. that yes, a little yes. bit. I really need that grounding so bad. So what did you do for fun? Oh, played with Millie. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. We did, I, we had a family birthday. Um, uh, my daughter's sister-in-law, Gabby, she turned 19, and we had a fun party at her house. That was I had such a good time. I love just hanging out with the family, mm-hmm. and just I love the Castaneda family. So if you guys ever listen, just know. Seriously, my love for you makes me actually cry because you have been nothing but generous with me since Shania came to your family. And I I just, I love you guys. So I will forever and ever love you guys. Um, Yoya has changed my life in so many ways oh, and I'm so grateful. Wonderful. But um, yeah, so we had that and it was a wonderful time. And then I also wanted to comment on your drum thing. I'm excited for you because I also have a drum that's being made for me. I'm not making it. Um, And it's from one of my Reiki clients and he is making me this drum. And I think it's at the end stage because he asked me like what colors or what kind of designs and stuff that I wanted on it. So, and I'm going to incorporate that into my Reiki healing because the the vibration is beautiful. 
beautiful. It is. It is. And I, um, I've been drummed twice at Sacred Energy in mm-hmm. Murray, Utah, I want to say, which is another amazing store to go into. Um, the vibes in both of these places is so healing and grounding. But um, I got drummed for the very first time there and just the vibrations going through me. Mm-hmm. Like I felt all this like negative, like... It was crazy. Like it's I just never, like shedding it all off. Yeah, it like got vibrated right out of me. It vibrated <laughs> off. <laughs> yeah, and I didn't even get to use a vibrator. <laughs> Dang it! I know. <laughs> we gotta bring one next time. I, I haven't done it, so maybe I'll bring it. <laughs> I, actually, to be honest, neither have I. But we can always ask Ash. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. She'll have some tools. <laughs> my older daughter, she's so like well versed in that stuff. But anyways, oh my gosh, sorry, maybe oversharing there, but hey. Uh, that's who I am. <laughs> but yeah, I just I love these stores around here. And so I'm excited for us both to get our drums. Um when we went to Sacred Energy, did I drum you? No. Okay, we got Oh, you just did a little Yeah, I didn't do it as testing, but it it wasn't yeah. a full-on yeah it's, it's an when you combine that with reiki healing it is so powerful oh good. that's my, that was my second uh time of being drummed it is just like it's crazy and i with when i'm gonna do mine i'm gonna do like drumming first so i can maybe raise some of those negativity mm-hmm. out and then put the reiki in so okay um i'm super excited for that so ren peterson if you listen to this just know i love you and i'm excited to get that um he's an amazing man but um yeah so that's kind of like where i've been with my life i mean we had this big build up for the launch party and then that happened and now we're doing our episodes and life is good right now it's good it's it's just I'm, amazing i'm i'm so excited and i'm so looking forward uh to what what's coming for us i mean i, I think too. it's only going to get better from here oh we also went to see that movie oh plane, plane. oh gerard <laughs> butler yeah oh. his butler Alert is very is good looking <laughs> yes he is delicious so and just his voice like i was watching an interview with uh, him yes and he has a fantastic sense of humor. Uh-huh. And just listening to that that Scottish accent, I was like... Oh, I love it. He's perfect for... <laughs> yes, he's perfect for action movies. Yes, he is. He does that so well. And mm-hmm. we highly recommend that movie. It was awesome. And it keeps you to the edge oh, of yeah. your seat till the very end. Both of us had chewed down the oh, skin and nails oh, on our yeah. fingers. We got done with our popcorn, our snacks, and then we went on to our <laughs> nails. <laughs> it just, it's intense. It's so good. It is. It is very intense, yeah. but it's very good. So highly and recommended. And all the actors, they all did oh, they good. They were all did good. Yeah, even the bad guy, he did good as a bad guy. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it was all good all the way around. <laughs> Sorry, Millie. we're wrestling with Millie right now. She wants Millie to be on the cuddle. podcast. She's getting she, so what happens? There's two people, so Shania and Ardine. She loves to jump up at the lips, and I don't know mm-hmm. if it's the lip gloss, the lipstick lip gloss, you use, plug, but you and Shania. She's like, I'm just gonna eat your lips. Oh, she just like oh, she's tearing good. up her she's baby with now. Her toy, that's good. <laughs> yeah, go lift them up. <laughs> But yeah, life is just good for both of us. I am dreading tomorrow's back to work to the mandate. But we got this. That's a, that's our that's our money. So we got to do it. But yeah, guys, we're we're just gonna 
I guess dive in now to part two of Ed Gein and and we're gonna just go over the trial of victimology, a bunch of different stuff, and just hold on to your seats and know that there is an ending and and he does go away. So yes, okay. Oh, thank goodness. Let's um, get started. Yes, let's do this. Okay, so on November twenty first, nineteen fifty seven. Gein was arraigned on one count of the first-degree murder in the Washera County Court where he pleaded not guilty by reason of insanity, mm. so his out. Yeah, of course, that's why he was pretending uh -huh. all the the gazing and the blackouts. Yep, yep, yep. And then um, he was, so he, he was diagnosed with schizophrenia mm -hmm. and found mentally incompetent. Um, so unfit for trial for this first one. Mm. Really? Yeah, they wouldn't let him go to trial because they did find him unfit. Oh, damn. Yeah, which delayed things more. You know, in the first episode, we talked about Sheely and, you know, Shlee, and unfortunately, you know, that incident, like, delayed stuff. And so now here again, we're being delayed again. Um, he was sent to the Central State Hospital for the criminally insane and that's, I want to go to those when we start going more paranormal because I oh, know there's got to be some insane creepy asylums, stuff. Insane asylums, the one, those are, yeah. Okay, yeah. I, we'll I, go I, have to go to the one in Tuala. Yes, yeah, we'll that's We'll have to figure radar. it out uh, how we can go there, mm -hmm. um, how we can get permission. So, um, and now it's known as the Dodge Correctional Institution, a maximum security facility in Wapun, which, uh, Wisconsin. Um, let, and then he was later transferred to the Mendota State Hospital in Madison, Wisconsin. Um, so he's staying in the institutions, you know, he's not really going into prison, um, which I, I sometimes question, especially as I watch documentary stuff like the treatment of patients in mm -hmm. some of these places but I mean how he wasn't exactly kind to his victims so it's like a fine rope there and they're there for punishment so why should you be yeah. anything other than exactly. a punisher <laughs> uh, so in 1968 which is one year before I was born mm -hmm. um, doctors determined Gein, um, what he was mentally able to confer with counsel and participate in his defense so from 1957 to 1968 11 years before they found him fit to go to talk to even counsel um, and so the trial began on November 7th, 1968, and it lasted only one week. Um, a psychiatrist testified that Gein had told him that he did not know whether the killing of Bernice Warden was intentional or accidental, which just is absurd to me, especially since you found her head in a bag, the way her body was stretched out in that shed, and it's her inten heart... It's that's intentional. Planned, of course. Yeah, that's... You had that in mind. That's not accidental. No. I accidentally cut off somebody's head. It's and then I accidentally <laughs> hung her upside down. And, and then I... <laughs> I mean, come on now. Come on. Yeah. So, Gein had told him that while he examined a gun in the store, the gun went off, killing Warden. Gein testified that after trying to load a bullet into the rifle, it discharged. He said he did not aim at the rifle at Warden and did not remember anything else that happened after in that morning. Mm. <sighs> a simple shift. Because, again, everything was premeditated. Premeditative. Yeah. 
at least every all the evidence they got afterwards that would point that this was not an accident. I mean, it was she wasn't the only victim found in his house. He targeted her. Yes, yes, there's he did. no way. Yeah, I mean, he went in the night before and then went back when he knew she'd be alone. Of course. So that's that's he not was an studying accident. when she would be alone. Mm-hmm. So at the request of um, the defense, Guy's trial was held without a jury. Um, with Judge Robert H. Gomer presiding. Gein was found guilty by Gomer on November 14, 1968. A second trial dealt with Gein's um, sanity. So after testimony by doctors for the per- prosecution and defense, Go- Gomer ruled Gein not guilty by reason of insanity and ordered him, and ordered him to, co- uh, to be committed to Central State Hospital for the criminally insane. Gein spent the rest of his life in the mental hospital, but Judge Gomer did write, um, let's see, Gomer wrote, due to prohibitive, prohibitive, which I don't know what that means, but Gein was tried for only one murder, Bernice Warden, um, but he also admitted to killing Mary um, Hogan. Mm. So, I mean... If I was Mary's family, but I think we learned later she didn't actually have family, if I remember right, but... If she did have family, I can't imagine, like, that just being dismissed. Oh, yeah. That like, would be an insult. Yeah, I feel like that's... To disregard her life like that? No. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, I just, I don't know. But, um, so, yeah. So, he gets to rot in a criminal insane. Um, so, after he was sentenced and everything, his property um, was at 195 acres. And it, at this time... Um, in the 1960s, it was appraised at $4,700 for what that property was worth. Mm. In 2021, that would have been about $44,000. So big difference. Um, His possessions were set to auction off. On the morning of March 20th, the house was destroyed by fire. Cause of fire was never determined officially, but some suspected arson or error of the cleanup crew. Honestly, with all that went on in that house, I would think the best thing to do would be burn it down. Because can you imagine all the evil that just resided there? It's probably still there. Let's see if they were to Even build the grounds. something. We should look that up and see, and maybe post it on the uh, Facebook page, like what resides at that location now. Okay. Remind me to do that. Okay. okay. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Um, so, uh, let's see. His 1949 Ford sedan um, was auctioned for $760, which in about 2021 was about $7,100. This was the car that he used to haul the bodies. Um, The person that bought this, uh, he was a carnival sideshow operator. His name was Bunny Gibbons. Bought it and charged 25 cents admission to see the car. So Hmm. I wouldn't have paid... A half a penny to see that car. No. <laughs> I mean, who wants... I don't know. Who would want those items? No. Yeah, oh, we're going to learn, like, what happens with, with some of the people that bought these items. So, it's kind of crazy. Um, <sighs> so, let's focus back in on Ed for a few minutes. So, his death. Um, Guy died at the Mendota Mental Health Institute due to respiratory failure, secondary to lung cancer. He died on July 26, 1984 at age 77. So he lived longer than his parents ever lived Mm -hmm. because they both died in their 60s. Um, 
And then over the years, souvenir seekers chipped pieces from his gravestone at the Plainfield Cemetery until the stone itself was stolen in 2000, which I'm like... Why? What is the purpose of that? (laughs) And it was recovered in June 2001 near Seattle, Washington. So from Wisconsin over to Washington, that's across country. So Mm -hmm. what kind of weirdo would do that? Um, And so then they did recover it and they put it in storage at the Washara County Sheriff's Department. Um, So the gravesite itself is now unmarked, but not unknown. He's between his parents and his brother. So he's buried with his family. Um, He's probably super happy because he's near his mama again. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. He's really tucked in there. (laughs) If I was Henry or the dad, I'd be like, get him out of here. Yeah, no. Somebody come take his body and chop it up. Yeah, chop it up. (laughs) So his last words were, I would like to give my love to my friends and family. That's all he had to say. We'll be right before you do Okay. Friends? What friends did he have? Probably Casper the ghost. Yeah, or maybe (laughs) the cow. I know. And what family? I mean, he didn't have any posterity. Nothing. So there is, I don't know, maybe, and his brother never had children, so what He died. Yeah. Got killed by crazy mama. Yeah, but he. Like friends and family, okay, can you name a few? Mm Mm-hmm. No, you can't. You don't have any. Yep, that's right. So maybe the people that lived in his head, I don't know. Of course, his yeah. imaginary friends that's correct. and family. Yep. And I know schizophrenia is not something to make fun of. My dad had it. I have uh, other people in my family that have it. And my ex-husband's mom, you know, But and it's they dealt with it in their life, you know. It, but part of schizophrenia is the voices that you have in your head or uh, hallucinations so that's what I think he probably he probably did yeah in his uh, in his sick mind he he had plenty maybe the bodies that he exhumed exhumed and stuff yeah or I don't know maybe his mom visited him and you know from the other side and that's who he I don't know oh to cuddle yeah (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna lay here with you Ed while you die he's Smoochy, smoochy. You must be exhausted from skinning that girl. (laughs) I know. Those whores. Those whores. Oh, that woman was evil. (laughs) Crazy ass people. Okay, so let's talk about our victims. So the first one was Mary Hogan. Um, She was a 51-year-old woman who worked at a tavern in Pine Grove, Wisconsin. Um, Guy had been to the tavern... um, on multiple occasions when she was working. And then on December 8th, 1954, a lot happens in December with this. Have this you noticed dude. that? Uh huh. Now I'm like hating that my birthday's in December. Okay. <laughs> <I know. laughs> so on this day, Ed waited for all the customers to leave. Um, and when he walked into the tavern, Mary told him that she was closing. Like, you can't have a drink, dude, leave. Um, He didn't say anything, though, and just walked over to her side at the bar. And before she could even speak or see what he was doing, he pulled out a 32 caliber pistol, put it up to her head, and fired the bullet through her skull, which killed her instantly. Thank goodness. Yeah. Thank goodness. Um, He dragged her body out to the sled. So before he got his car, guys, he had a sled that he pulled (laughs) off. 
house. Oh my god. Yeah, and so I'm just like picturing, okay, honestly, I'm picturing Christmas Lampoon Vacation with Chevy Chase when he's on that round sled. Have you ever seen that movie? Oh my gosh, girl. You're killing me. Anyways, he's on this round sled, but he had sprayed it with this stuff that's supposed to make it super fast. Well, he was going super fast. He couldn't stop, and he went across the highway and into the <laughs> shed. And, and so it's a funny movie, and all of you guys have who have seen that, you know that part. It's just hilarious. So that's like what's running through my mind. He's put her on the sled. <laughs> and he goes shooting down and who's the not, hill. And who's not going to see this person dragging a body on a sled? Did he cover Probably not. I don't think so. It does say it took him uh, several hours to drag her body back to his farm. So for hours through the snow, he's pulling a sled with a dead body on it. There's no way. How can they not see that? Oh, my God. That's what I think. Why didn't somebody see that? I don't know. I've never been to this area, and it was no. 1950s, so who knows Maybe what that looked like. Maybe it was very secluded. Yeah. It's a tiny town. Yeah. That's what I think, too. Um, so let's see. So the next day, police found a bullet cartridge matching a 32 um, caliber pistol. Police also found overturned furniture and a pool of blood behind the bar. It took the police a total of three years to identify Ed Gein as Mary Hogan's killer. Um, because police hadn't found her body or any report of her missing, they didn't think um, that her case was a murder. And again, that's what leads me to believe, too, that she probably didn't have family because nobody reported her missing. Missing. Or her family was estranged, and so they wouldn't be inquiring about her anyways, which makes me kind of sad for her. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. I live by myself. Sometimes I cherish that, but, I mean, there's times where I get lonely, too. And, yeah. And I don't know. I, I know. Or sometimes you're surrounded by people and yet you still feel alone. Yeah, yeah, that is yeah. true. Yeah. That is very true, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, our sec- second victim, which we talked a lot about in the first um, episode, is Bernice Warden. She was a 58-year-old woman who had worked at a, or who worked at a hardware store in Plainfield, but she actually owned it. Um, in November of 1957, a, a guy had a conversation with Bernice and also with her son Frank. Most people knew Ed as a shy and reserved person, so it was rare that he ever striked up a conversation conversation with anyone. Um, Frank, Bernice's son, who was a sheriff, told Gein he would be out of town on a certain Saturday because he was going hunting. So right there, that's not an accident. He was already planning that. Yeah, Frank told him, my mom will be alone because Mm -hmm. I will not be here. That was his opportunity. Mm -hmm. There's no way he, he can't. Yeah, that's not accidental. Accidental. No, no. No. So that's what I just, the thought, I just, I don't know where he, he thinks he could say that, but in his little mind game thing, in his mm-hmm. little mind palace, he probably could. Um, so Frank and Gein both knew that Bernice Warden would be alone in the hardware store. So on November 16th, 1957, Ed Gein entered the store just as Mrs. Warden was closing. Mrs. Warden didn't see. But Gein locked the door behind him mm-hmm. after he walked in. There's another thing. That's not accidental. He locked it. Mm-hmm. And it's at night. There's a pattern. Yes. He, the first lady night. was at night, closed the door. Who knows how many more he would have killed if they had not caught him that morning at the or how, store. Or maybe these, there's more victims that nobody knows about. That's what I was thinking, too. Because if you look at the pictures, it's not just seven, nine bodies. Yeah. If you start counting, 
there's plenty more. I mean, to do a whole belt of nipples, <coughs> you're not going to do it with just 14 nipples from seven victims. I mean, yeah. you know, it's, yeah. I don't care how skinny you are. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, who knows how many victims he truly had. And exactly. No one ever knows about it. Exactly. It's insane. So he went straight to the back and got a 22 caliber rifle from the wall. Ed brought a bullet with him and put it in the gun. When Bernice saw Ed, he fired a shot straight into her head, killing her. So again, thank goodness. I mean, I hate to say, you know, I'm sorry this happened, but at least it was fast. And if it was accidental, how can he hit her right in the head like the other lady? And he brought the bullet with him. Uh Uh-huh. That's all planned. Mm-hmm. So when he went in the night before, he probably saw, okay, there's a 22 caliber right rifle there, right there. I'm going to use that, do I'll this. I'll bring my bullet, and then the, it's not tied together. I'll be able to get away with this. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, so let's see. So, and then um, he did that just like he did um, with Mary Hogan. So he dragged Bernice Warden's body around to the back of his car. So now he's got a car. That I think this is a a couple years apart or something or maybe some months or something but he's got a car now so he doesn't have to haul the sled he probably figured okay this is too much (laughs) (laughs) i got too tired i need to make things easier for me (laughs) (laughs) and then um so yeah and he put her body into his car and then he went back into the store to get cash out of the cash register which was only 41 (sighs) dollars just 41 bucks somebody's life is I mean, 41 bucks. Yeah, it's, I mean, there's no money value on how much someone's body is worth. And $41, I just, that makes me want to punch him in his freaking face. Um, What a crazy nut. And then poor Frank. So after Frank Warden returned from his hunting trip, he went to his mother's store. And when he got there, he noticed it was locked. Um, He broke in and saw a small pool of blood, um, blood behind the counter, and sales slip written out in his mother's handwriting for the antifreeze. Um, So Frank remembered that Guy told him he would be back later to buy some antifreeze. Frank immediately suspected that Ed Guy was behind his mother's disappearance. Um, So Sheriff's drove drove to Ed's house while Frank was looking for him at a local store. And then um, Frank found him at the coffee shop where an earlier report said grocery store. So maybe I know back then, like when I would go to Woolworths with my grandparents, it had like a soda fountain thing and Mm -hmm. shopping Mm -hmm. and we would get ice cream while, you know, they did their shopping. So maybe it has like a coffee house and shopping. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. So he was eating dinner there. He was finishing up his dinner and que- and okay, yeah. And then Frank started questioning Gein about his mother. Gein's response was, "I had nothing to do with it." Frank didn't believe him and placed him into custody and brought him to a local jail and locked him in a cell. I would have nice. locked him in a cell with chains around his neck. Um. <sighs> So that's our two victims. Um, Then, of course, the bodies that were mutilated from the graves. Um, Soon after the death of his mother, Augusta, in 1945, um, that's when he began digging up graves in three nearby cemeteries, which were Plainfield, Spiritland, and Hancock Cemetery. Um, So it was not long after his mom's death that he picked up this behavior. Which then it, it makes sense about the woman's suit. You know, he's trying mm-hmm. to do that, but... Recreate his mom. Yeah. So, I mean, it didn't take long for him to start doing Ugh. 
It just makes me sick. So there are some quotes that I want to give you. Three Ed Gunn quotes. The first one, and this one has been um, kind of tweaked by other serial killers, and they've used it, but it is, um, when I see a pretty girl walking down the street, I think two things. One part wants to be real nice and sweet, and the other part wonders what her head would look like on a stick. Oh! Not oh. the first thing I think of when I see someone walking down the street. No. 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 Oh. Uh, and then his second one is, she isn't missing. She's at the farm right now. Well, she's just hanging out over there. Mm. Uh, yeah, I sit on her face every day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yuck. Sicko. Um, his last one was, I had a compulsion to do it. That was his excuse. I had a compulsion. Well, I have an anchoring for a cup of coffee not to go slaughter somebody. Exactly. <laughs> I'm craving, you know, some eclairs, <laughs> not someone's fingernails. Or their nipples or their oh, face on my lashes. Oh, God. Oh, so, my God. How sick is this? He is just, he's out there. So let's talk about some of the pop culture that came from the Ed Gein story. Okay. Um, first is the fictionalized version presented by Robert Block. Um, you guys are all going to know this one. In his 1959 suspense novel, Psycho, um, which then Alfred Hitchcock took and made a movie of the 1960 film. So when you think about Norman Bates... Um, up in the window mm -hmm. was his dead mother mm -hmm. and of course you didn't know she was dead until the end and he would dress up as her if I remember oh, right yes 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 yeah mm -hmm. so I mean it, yeah so they pulled it from his life I'm just like why would we make anything about his life but whatever okay so next one let's see Guy's story was loosely adapted into numerous films actually including deranged in 1974 in the Light of the Moon in 2000, um, it, when it was released in the USA and Australia, as Ed, it was, um, oh, Ed Gein, the Butcher of Plainfield, is another one. But, it, oh, I didn't put a thing, sorry. So it released in the USA and Australia as Ed Gein 2001. Um, that was the Light of the Moon. Um, and then there's Ed Gein's musical. A musical about Ed Gein, yeah. That makes so much sense to me. How did I miss that? You you love musicals. I know. Twenty ten. I was old enough. To, I mean, I yeah. I was wait. Well, how did I okay, miss that? Okay. And what songs do they sing? Like, <laughs> I don't know. Thriller. <laughs> I know, right? Right, right. And oh then there's God. another one. Rob Zombie uh, files House of a Thousand Corps, and its sequel, The Devil's Rejects. I've never seen those. Uh -oh. Um. And then, so Gein served as an inspiration for a myriad of fictional serial killers, Norman Bates, Leatherface, Chainsaw Massacre. Have you seen Chainsaw Massacre? No, it's so gory. Oh, it's bad. I've seen bits of it. Yeah, and he does. He has like a face made mm. from, it's gross. Um, Buffalo Bill, Silence of the Lambs, which mm -hmm. I love, I've Silence of the Lambs. And he, I Luke just. Luke Clarice. Yeah, I love, mm -hmm. and um uh, Anthony Hopkins. He does Sir it well. Anthony Hopkins. He, he does so well in that role. So well. Um, and then, let's see, and Dr. Oliver Threadson was a TV series, oh, from one of the American Horror Story. It's American Horror Story Asylum. Mm. Um, let's see, the song, there was a song made by a band, 
the Swans EP. It's the song Young God from the Swans EP of the same name is told from I, uh, Gaines perspective. So they even made a rock song. But the one that gets me the most is in 2012, German director uh, Horg Buttergate, Buttergrate um, wrote and directed a stage play about the case of Gein and called Cannibal of Liebe at Theater Dortmund in Germany. Um, and the, uh, the part of Gein was played by Uwe Robeck. So some nut job made a play about him. I wouldn't wow. pay money to go see those things. No. L- not the play. So... I've seen, like, Silence of the Lamb, Texas Chainsaw. But there's some of these, like, I mean, I just, I don't So they were portraying Ed Gein. So mm-hmm. when he's chopping them up and all that, is that what the, that that's. How is that a, a play? That's disgusting. And who would want to go see it? Yeah, exactly. I just. Oh. So the above information from part one and this one, that came from Wikipedia. The little bits I'm going to give you now are from Murderpedia, which I love murderpedia.org. They have so much on all the serial killers. I'm just super excited. Um, So there is a story. It says eight-year-old Georgia Weckler had gone missing on her way home from school. And Evelyn Hartley, 15, had been abducted while babysitting. Also listed as missing were two deer hunters, Victor Travis and Ray Burgess who vanished in December of 1952. But all the body parts in the house came from female adults, including Mrs. Hogan, and no trace was ever found that the four missing people, police exhumed the bodies of eight women at the Plainfield Cemetery and discovered they had all been mutilated. So they didn't ever find those parts, but the one that I thought, they did find something for 15-year-olds. Yeah. So maybe they were different 15-year-olds, but I don't know. It was the vulvas on yeah. that dress. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And it was a, a little girl and a teenager. Yeah. Maybe that's their two victims right there. Yeah. So maybe the deer hunters, they never, because they didn't affiliate because they were male, male. and they did not find anything mm-hmm. male. Um, but who knows? Maybe they witnessed something and he killed them just for that. Yeah. And then because he wouldn't use their body parts because they're male. Yeah. Just buried them somewhere. Yeah. I bet. Yeah. Um, so it says it transpired that Gein had a trusted friend identified only as Gus. The fact that they are identifying a friend just blows my mind. Um, and so it says that um, these fr- this friend had made these nocturnal raids only hours after these women's funerals and after reading their obituaries in the local newspaper. It appears he only began killing when Gus was uh, moved to an old people's home. And Gein was unable to carry out his nocturne. Okay, so he was using Gus then as, like, someone to help him maybe. Carry Um, the bodies. mm -hmm. Gein told detectives in a conversational, almost chatty way, chatty Mm -hmm. Kathy, um, (laughs) how he would wear the human skin shirt around the house at night and often place the female genitalia over his naked groin as if he were a woman. Oh, my God. Oh my God! <laughs> Just when I thought the worst already, you <laughs> already right? went through. Yeah. <sighs> okay, oh. I know. I just that is disturbing. I know. Okay, I just yeah. When you did, yeah. that, I had an image. Okay, we're gonna leave that image to <laughs> Leave it to your imagination. Exactly. How you put that on? Exactly. Oh. Um, it says although he was almost certainly a virgin, Gein was obsessed by women and the sexual power they had over men. 
Psychiatrists later concluded he was clinically insane. But what had driven him mad? The answer was, or the answer is as often as the case lay in his childhood, um, which is true. I mean, we all just, you know, it is, I feel like a lot of trauma comes from childhood. Um, yeah, so I did want to talk about, so these people that, um, that got some of the, the things that were auctioned off. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. So, like the actual furniture and stuff? Um, not that, no, because they just, they got I rid thought, of those. okay. They got, but okay. like, like this one is a curse knife. Okay. So like okay. this knife was the one that was mostly on the internet and it says, um, six decades after the horrific events, some locals believe the killer spirit is still haunting Plainfield, which I would prop, that's not unthinkable. I mean. I think it's possible. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, so in the real cycle, um, local psychic Michelle Butler tells Steve Shippey she was attacked by an unseen presence in the Washera County Jail where Gein was held. Um, I could hear him say, Edward, she says. So I could hear him say, Edward. I felt a sensation on the back of my neck, a burning sensation from the right to the left, like I was being scratched. That happens. That's very very paranormal three scratches is the mark of the devil like you're being marked so when you get these scratches then it's that like you can visibly see them yes and some even bleed like they're so deep they bleed that is yeah oh my gosh yes oh that's that's insane that's just crazy i can't wait until i mean i don't want to ever be scratched but me neither i'm looking forward to doing more paranormal with you Mm mm-hmm um, another local man named as Tom bought a knife and another tool believed to have been used by Gein at auction and claims it brought tragedy to his home. So he claims that shortly after uh, storing them in the garage, he began to see a tall, skinny shadow moving around his garden, which if, when you look at the pictures of Ed Gein online, you can see he was definitely a tall, skinny person oh so he was tall mm-hmm. oh okay um he says the birds started getting sick and dying two a day and then the rest of his animals died his mother died his dad died on father's day and his wife died the following christmas <gasps> yeah yeah so i mean just tragedy like it said is just striking his family um, he added, the objects were most definitely to blame, although he offers no explanation of why he kept them. Um, in creepy scenes at the jail and the former hardware store, Cindy and Steve used ghost-busting gadgets to measure activity and appeared to capture mm-hmm. the voice of Ed and his mother, Augusta. Is Cindy, do you know, is Cindy and Steve like a popular Yeah, paranormal? they're very, very popular. They're on TV. Oh. Uh, she's the psychic, so they'll take her without telling her where she's going and Uh see what she picks up and as they investigate what she picks up comes out it's the girl is insane she is amazing and ed and he's his uh nickname i think is skippy yeah i think yeah he has a lot of paranormal shows and evidence it's he's good he's really good yeah oh wow Um, what did they find so they they did capture the voice of ed and his mom not just ed so yeah. they're together in the afterlife. Oh, they belong together, burning in the pits of hell. Yes, I <laughs> hope that's where they are. 
So it says in the woods surrounding the farmhouse site, they use a melmeter, which measures electromagnetic <laughs> fields and temperature changes, and claim to see a figure touching the knife. Cindy says she feels Gein committed the sick crimes to please his mother, adding, I feel his mother everywhere. I hear screams. <gasps> oh, boy, that gives me chills. Um, <sighs> she says, touching the ground, she says, I just keep seeing blood, throats being slit, and blood pouring out. I feel there are bodies buried there and pieces of remains spread out on the land. <sighs> um Cindy claims she can hear screams and sees a woman who she believes is Mary Hogan standing in the woods. I feel like uh, maybe because Mary Hogan wasn't vindicated because they didn't try him for that, Mm -hmm. maybe she's bound. Yeah. She's probably stuck, unfinished. Mm -hmm. Justice wasn't made for her. She just wants justice. Um, it says, speaking through a geoport, a device used as a portal to the spirit world, a female voice is apparently heard offering them to be gone and calling Ed possessed. They also hear the women who believe in, um, who they believe is Augusta saying, put on the suit and the word demon. <gasps> put on the suit, Eddie. Show your mommy what you made. Hey, look you good. I'm so Ew. proud of you, honey. Um, Cindy does believe Augusta was the reason for Ed's crimes. Of course. Um, his mother will never let him have a voice or thought of his own, she says. It was always from her. She's evil. And as a young child, I'm sad for him because I don't think he was born this way. I feel like she created a She monster. created it. Absolutely. Oh, guys, that is all I have on Ed Gein, but what a heavy, heavy situation, and, um... We need to do a little pause to throw up. I know, (laughs) I know, and I can't wait until Ardeen does, um, the paranormal, because I have something similar that happened to me when we went to Salt Lake, and Uh you remember? Oh, yes. Yeah, so I can't wait to tell you guys about that, but, um... Just yeah, there's they're out there. These they're true. It's true. It's and so true. And I'm sure true. there's still more out there. It is. It is so true. So <sighs> we're gonna do the positive part of it. Do the card reading to kind of cleanse and clear mind of all that. I'm done to be got done with Edgine. I cannot oh, tell you. Yeah, I'm glad. Until I told this story, like I finally my feel stomach relief. It's like roaring. Like oh yeah, I finally feel relief. Um, So the card that was chosen by my guides for this episode is Chameleon, um, which is mostly like adapting. And um, so, and the scene is a visual metaphor for change and the importance of being able to adapt to shifts in circumstances. Um, And our skill at adapting to different people, or adapting to different people, as well as changing situations and surroundings is an important factor in coping or coping with the challenges of life. Um, and so that is so true. We do have to change. I just want to say this, though, because my guides are screaming this at me, is don't change for someone else. Exactly. You do have to adapt to situations, but it doesn't mean that you change your core. Mm-hmm. And when you change your core and you start adapting to mold into somebody else um, to be so that the person you're with is happy with you, if they cannot be happy with who you are, do not change for them. Yeah, just no, leave. No, no. 
So the quote with this one is, your life does not get better by chance, it gets better by change. I actually mm-hmm. really like that. Your life does not get better by chance, it get be- it gets better by change. Beautiful. And we're quote. always changing and morphing. I mean, we have to. Mm-hmm. We do. We have to adapt to whatever is coming our way, whatever life throws at us. Yeah, that is true. We do. And I mean, you know, both of us came out of marriages that were um, tough. Yeah. And, and I got the picture. And we ha- we changed in those marriages. And then when we had to find ourselves again and change into another person, you know, to be a better person, like that's hard. And I remember too, like after I got done fighting cancer, I didn't know who I was anymore because my before normal was gone. Mm-hmm. And so I couldn't, I couldn't even go back to that. And my kids can attest to that, that it was so hard to find the new normal for myself and mm-hmm. or create the new normal. Oh, yeah. And create I love the new now. version now. It's, it's hard to start, but once you do and you keep going, it only gets better. Yep. I am wild and free and happy. Hell yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, gosh, guys, we just love you so much. Thank you for listening. Yes, thank you. Uh, We will connect with you again in a week for the next episode, which is a paranormal one. We visited some cemeteries, and we're excited to share that uh, information and more to come. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye.